0: Hi, this is Paul Friedman, founder of the Marriage Foundation with our Marriage Help podcast. And uh, my co-host, David Cruz, is on standby. Today's topic is signs your marriage is in trouble. David, how are you today? I'm good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing really well. (laughs) And I'm really glad you could you could join me. So today's topic is very interesting. Signs your
1: marriage is in trouble. And what do you think about that, David? I, I'm kind of debating which way I would start to talk about this with you, Paul. Whether do you talk about the beginning signs that your marriage is in trouble, or do you talk, we talk first about how to prevent those things from starting. But I'm almost thinking that maybe, you know, what are the beginning signs of your marriage is in trouble? What are the things that you would look for?
0: Well, I'll tell you what people write in about, and I think this is good for both men and women, and it's generally different. Men will write in, usually to be really candid, by, by the time their marriage is already swirling in the toilet, it's starting to go down. For some reason, generally speaking, men don't catch on real quick. I'm not sure why, but it's something that we have all noticed here at the Marriage Foundation, where women have more of an intuitive sense, you might say. They they pick up little signs that their husband may not be paying really good attention to them, or they're not speaking to them as respectfully as they used to. It, it's really an interesting kind of phenomenon.
1: I, you know, I almost think that it's... Um you know, going from my own perspective that I tend to look at more of big picture things and not the, mm-hmm. not the small things that are going on. And I try to, I, I just don't pay it, you know, the attention to those things that I probably should. Right. And I think, you know, the, the women that I've, uh, I've been with in my lifetime, definitely pay attention to the small things. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's just me, but, Maybe that's why I don't know, you know, I haven't noticed when things were going south in the past so we early, right. yeah.
0: So uh, here's the good news and the bad news. And this, this again is from experience. You know, we've been doing this for over 20 years now. And what we have seen, and when I say we, I'm talking about the Marriage Foundation. The Marriage Foundation is a nonprofit, and they use all the research that I've done to help individuals and couples with their marriage. Really good organization. I founded it, so I'm very proud of what we are doing. And what I see happening with women is their marriage could be almost past the brink where you think there's no way that we could save this marriage. They could do everything in their power. And surprisingly, even today it's surprising their success rate is so high up until the point where their husband literally moves out. The women are able to save the marriage now there there's a few exceptions uh to that if if the man has been really sneaky and he's been in a another relationship for a year or two, those are more difficult. But even those, we've seen them get saved. I'm going to tell you a story, David. This goes way back, way back when I was really just starting out and I was testing everything that we did. And I had written my first book. I was already speaking at the second Saturday events for women getting a divorce and somehow a woman from New Haven, Connecticut, of all places, reached out to me. At that time, there was no marriage foundation, reached out to me, and she was a professor at Yale, as was her husband. And her husband had, and and I'm sure this is great for a screenplay for a movie, her husband, who was close to 50, had taken up with one of his students, uh, she was probably under 20, And he had moved out and she did not want to give up on the marriage. And as an experiment more than anything else, I said, well, you know, let's work together on this and we'll try to get him back. Now, there is a positive thing here. He came over to her house all the time that he wanted to remain friends uh, while he was shacked up with this, basically a teenager. And so... What I did with her and, and she was helpful is we came up with ideas where she would test. And interestingly and happily for her and for him, he ended up moving back in with her and gave up on the student. Now, I don't know what the backstory is. Maybe the student gave up on him, but the marriage was saved. And I really think that what we did that really made the big difference had more to do with what we didn't do. You know, I specifically said, and I don't remember her name now, but I said, please do not point out anything that he is doing wrong. Don't call him out on this. And this has become a really solid principle that we rely on at the Marriage Foundation, which is don't confront. Never, ever, ever confront. And it goes for you guys, too. Men, never confront. And why do you think that is, David? Why do you think that principle works? Because I gave it a lot of thought.
1: Oh, I, I just, you know, when you say that, Paul, I'm thinking how difficult it is to do that. That, I mean, I'm also thinking of what do you mean by confront? Does that mean don't point out anything? Does yep. that mean I mean don't point out anything? Nothing. Anything. Anything. So, so there's a two, so so two in so so in, so, in, so in this case the guy was certainly needed to be confronted because he was seeing this teenager on the side while they were married, and she mm-hmm. probably needed to confront him on that.
0: So. So this is what we're taught, and and I like the way you worded it. The guy needed it, right? Almost like an old western. Uh, you know, he killed my brother. Now I have to kill him. He deserves a killing.
1: Well, he's you know, right? he, you no, know, I, I <laughs> right? think his his wife had to know, had, maybe not know, but certainly had a very strong feeling that things were in trouble because he he had to be taking the time to see this girl on the side yeah so yeah how does she not confront him on that
0: okay so well she has to really control herself to not confront and
1: well is there a way you know, where is there is there a way to bring that up Paul without being confrontational
0: no i don't think so here's the problem with confronting anyone Anywhere, anytime. The biggest problem is it never works unless you're dealing with someone who is a real wimp. And I'll give you an example because – and you're a businessman and and I used to be in business too. And if a bully came in from the city or some bureaucracy and I confronted them, they would back down. And in my experience, it's the only time it ever works. I mean, try confronting a cop when he pulls you over right. for speeding, right? Oh right? well, sure. But, okay. okay. And, and the reason it doesn't work, and you might say I've done a study on this. I never did a blind study or anything, but I've been observant and I've given it a lot of thought. And it is because whenever you confront somebody, they're going to fight back. It's an attack. A confrontation, no matter how nicely you put a confrontation, is a challenge to a person, and they're not going to stand for it. And then then I asked, well, why is that? I mean, I think that that observation is accurate, don't you? That people respond to confrontation with defensiveness.
1: Sure. I I think if you say, um, if if he comes home... After you know he he comes home at ten o'clock at night and you go, "Where the hell were you i'd have a you know i i get what you're saying, Paul, but I'd have a hard time not saying "You know it's ten o'clock right. you know are you, are you really working that late these days? what's going on
0: so I think what you're bringing up is super important and and i because she had the same reservations. Any normal person would have the same reservations. But I asked her a very specific question. Do you want to, quote unquote, win? Or do you want your husband back? Because if you want to win, confront him. Call him names. Label him. Let him know what a jerk he is. Go down the list of evils he has just done. And you'll win. And you'll lose your husband for sure. But she wanted him back. She was willing to forgive. She wanted to preserve her marriage. And so, if you want to preserve the marriage, it's important to realize that there are things you have to do, there's things you should do, and there's things you definitely don't want to do. And on that list of things that you just are not going to get away with, is confrontation. And the reason being is that it is an act of aggression. You know, someone might say, well, I, I, I just want to know. Hey, I just want to know. Don't I have the quote unquote, the right. right to know? Sure. Yeah. Yes, you do. But if you want to preserve your marriage, and by the way, why did your husband or your wife back out of your marriage? Because your marriage is already falling apart by this time, or there's no way he would have taken up with someone else. And oh my God, I I can hear the the <laughs> no no retort to that already.
1: No, I think you know I get it, Paul. I get it where you're at this point. This guy is already. I mean, this guy is probably pretty unhappy in his marriage to be taking up with somebody else, even somebody. You know, thirty years younger, but right. But you know, I I think more of what happens in these relationships at at the early going. What are the signs that things are in trouble in your marriage? And I think I think you're really onto something here with when you start to confront the person on little things. I I think that's probably where things start to fall apart because you know I I've seen it in relationships I've been in that you get these little things and, and they don't really bother you. You know, they're, they're, certainly they confront me about something a little here and there and there, but the more that you get them, the more they seem to pile up and the more mm-hmm. that you don't lash back, the more it builds mm-hmm. up inside you.
0: Yes. And you brought up two very interesting topics. So um, which one do you want to play with first, David, this building up inside of you, uh, which I don't agree with? Or do you want to deal with how things, the signs that things are starting to deteriorate? I think, this,
1: I think I, I'd i like to start with the signs. What What do you, w- first of all, what do you see the other person doing that's, that may be destructive? And what do you see yourself as doing that may be destructive? Maybe start with Good. that. Yeah.
0: Okay. But, and before we go there, I want to give a top-line kind of concept to people, because I think it's really important, and it really is in contradiction to what is, what you might say, common knowledge. And it has to do with your expectations of your marriage to begin with. So most people get married without articulating their expectations or even I'll say thinking about them out loud. And the expectations really ought to be, they are in my marriage and I know they are in yours, that you're going to be happier every single day of your life. That you get married to be happier. If it's an expectation, then you establish your behaviors around that expectation. So in other words, I want to be happy the rest of my life. What it means is I'm not going to do anything that's going to undermine that. I'm not going to tee off my spouse. I'm not going to aggravate them. I'm going to bite my tongue if I have something I want to complain about, going back to this bottled up thing. And I'm going to behave in a way that is going to produce happiness in my marriage. So, this is what leads to the signs that your marriage is in trouble
1: so how if, do you, so how do you see the signs with yourself of what you're doing
0: okay so let's say you're aggravated over something that your wife or your husband has done okay let's get, and you let's, notice, just say,
1: let's just say in your mind your spouse never helps you when you need help
0: okay Wonderful, I love how you phrase that, David. You must be reading the emails we get at the Marriage
1: Foundation, I, <laughs> and I, I, I and assure you I'm not, I, 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 <laughs> no.
0: but don't you love that word never, never? How many times yeah. have you heard that from your i shouldn't talk about your wife, but how many of you women and men have heard you
1: never blah 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 you know paul, I, I'll be honest with you, I will say that. Even in my mirrors, you know, you, you you never do that, and then I'll catch myself going, "Okay, it's it's not never, but it's 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 so you know it's sometimes you know I don't I don't get that, so um, I do catch myself saying that too. So I think it's I think it's probably human nature, but it's not healthy. So, but it's, go ahead. It's not he- no, it's not and healthy. There's
0: a sign. There's a sign that you're willing to make a comment like that to the person who you swore to love till your dying day. Right. It, what a contradiction that is. It, it's so ironic. We stand there, we give our vows, we feel this tremendous surge of love while we're exchanging vows, right. and then we turn around and complain to them over some petty, nonsensical thing, which often turns into an argument, and bam, there's almost your number one sign that your marriage is in trouble.
1: You're arguing. Okay, you're arguing, you're bickering.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we, we get these emails, again, at the Marriage Foundation. This has been just a trove of education for me, that my husband and I need help with our arguing. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Whose side do you want us to go on? <laughs> but what they mean is, we argue to the point of where it gets out of hand, right? And our response is, "No, it is already out of hand. You're not supposed to argue with somebody you love." I know it's commonly accepted that you're that it's okay, but it isn't okay.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this. That I think you said Western psychology actually promotes it. They say it's they it's promote. health it's healthy to. Argue and get it out of your system and all that. Yep. But if you, yep. but I think what you're saying here is that if one of the signs that your marriage is in trouble is just that simple. You're arguing a That's lot. That's right. You're bickering a lot.
0: That's right. That's right. And and let's follow that a little bit. Why are you arguing? You're arguing, and and there is a. This is a philosophy, actually, that I heard from some. I can't remember. Who actually said it? But it was some Indian guru or saint or something, and he said, "Wrath springs from unfulfilled desires.
1: Wrath springs springs from from
0: only from only from unfulfilled unfulfilled
1: desires. desires. So it springs from when you get frustrated from." From when you don't get your way. Won't get your way. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I
0: thought, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. It's simple and it's accurate. So as soon as you find yourself, because I like the way you phrase it, David, what do I see in myself that is a sign that the marriage is in trouble? That you're getting angry. It means that you're allowing Your defensive filters to be implemented in your marriage. And they're not intended to be implemented in your marriage. You see, your marriage is your safe space in the world. Your husband and wife are the only ones who have no need to take advantage of you because what's yours is theirs and what's theirs is yours. Everywhere else in the world, somebody wants to get more from you or give less to you. Okay, so I'm gonna stop. But your spouse go, go you guys live in, in in loving harmony if you're running your marriage correctly.
1: Okay. Paul, go, go back so, to defensive filters for a second. Um so you're saying you're saying that you're you have these defensive filters. So how do you recognize that you you're that these defensive filters are affecting you, that you're using them, that they're they're inside you. What are those things?
0: Okay, that that's a good question. I, I love when you prod me into going deep because I love the deep aspects of marriage because they create the very practical ways you should behave in a marriage. So one of the things that should be learned by everybody is, who are you? What is your mind? What are you? How does this all work? How does my mind work? You know, everyone talks about free will, right? Oh, I have free will. I'll take chocolate. but (laughs) And I've looked into this and I thought, free will? Well, Do I really have free will? I looked at this many years ago, before I actually got into the whole marriage thing. I looked at it for myself, and I thought, do I really have free will? And I thought, maybe, but I'm sure not using it, because effectively, all of my thinking is based on habit. This is how I see things. This is how I hear things. This is what I always say in response to that, or I should say how I always react. I had things that were not okay, things that were okay, and I never evaluated anything on the spot. I had all of these mindsets, and I started watching myself. And I realized I actually didn't have free will. I had turned my life over to my habits. To habits, right, yeah. Habits. And then I thought, well, where do they come from? And this is where some of my science training came in because I worked with plants.
1: Okay, I really have to hear how you tie in. Plans to your mind Paul <laughs> Well, it's so cool David okay. No, really, seriously. Um, okay, go ahead Paul, surprise me. How are you going to okay. tie plants working with plants into free will, your mind and defensive filters? But you, okay. You go you Good. go there. Okay. I'm I'm all ears. Glad you asked. No, me. I'm all ears. <laughs> okay. Go ahead.
0: So if you're a grower of anything, if you're into plants, right. you realize that if you want a plant to go to seed, you starve it for water a little bit and it'll think I'm dying and it'll go to seed. The flowers will come out. Okay. Well, what is making that happen is that guiding yeah. principle Okay. That's embedded in every living thing called-
1: Including plants.
0: Survival,
1: right? Right.
0: And the plant will do things to survive. Okay. And continue its species. And propagation is one of those things. So then I thought, okay, the human body, everyone's got a human body. Right. The body is comprised of trillions of cells- all working together mm-hmm. to what end survive survival right so we're walking around in this survival machine and the survival machine is telling the mind no 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 you don't want to do that oh yeah you want to do that because uh you you can propagate if you do that you can eat better if you do that you'll be protected From the elements, if you do that. So survival is really based on a couple, three things. One is protecting oneself or itself from death. It's always death. Two, eating. Making sure that it's going to live. Drinking water, breathing air, whatever. And propagating. Having sex to continue the species. It's like... That's all your body is interested in are the things that are all about survival. And secretly, our body is compelling our mind to do what it's supposed to do to meet those ends
1: and, secretly. And it gives you certain habits to do that?
0: Well, what happens is that the habits are a different kind of function. They're like a software program in your mind, but it's a software that is trained by the body unless you step in. So let's say, okay, I have a great example for you, David. So have you ever gone to the top of a hill or to a bluff overlooking the ocean and you just feel Good,
1: right? Yeah, I've had that. Why do you think? Why do you think? Well, part of it is that you've achieved something to get up to the top of the hill, and part of it is just kind of exhilarating with the look that you're getting from the view. Okay,
0: so let's take that aside. Let's say you're driving along the road, and you see a view, and you pull over. No exertion. Right. No accomplishment. No. You get out, and you just feel good. Right, you do. Right. Why? 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 I love this, by the way. Oh, I, I have fun with this. Stuff.
1: <laughs> I really don't know, Paul, but it does. It does feel, you know. That's why there's a sign on the road that says viewpoints. Okay. You know, so, so you, for people to pull over and feel good for a minute before they yeah. keep driving on. Here's why:
0: because of our survival instinct, especially for men. What's important is, is there anything that's going to eat us that's close by? We never know. But when you're up on top of the hill, you can see 360 or 180 or 200 degrees around you. So you have this vantage point, which is implying to the mind that you're safe. Okay. You will see danger long before it gets to you. Okay. And so you're able to relax.
1: Yeah, I know that, you know, I do know from being all the places that I've visited throughout the country over the years and all the driving things I've gone to and national parks, that most of the ancient civilizations put their villages on hills where they had vantage points of everything. And, and, right. and it was for safety. No question. That's right. No question. They wanted to see anybody that can come that could be coming at them from miles away.
0: Yep. And so the subconscious mind plays such a humongous role
1: in our lives.
0: And because of this drive to survive that is subtly affecting our mind, any threat, perceived threat, has to be a perceived threat, is going to be seen as an attack, and as a person, you will go into your habitual defensive mode. When you're in your habitual defensive mode, you're not open to reason. You're not open to hearing that you did something immoral, or something that's going to hurt the family, or have a long-term disastrous effect on both you and everyone involved.
1: So if you're, doing, if you're doing something at this point that is causing your marriage to be in trouble, it's your mind that's putting you there.
0: Possibly. Now with women, typically, like you said before, they notice the minutia much more than the men. They also have intuition. So they can feel the pulling away. But unfortunately, because we have not been taught how to be married or what constitutes a connection, women are mistaught, men ignore it, and women are mistaught that you're supposed to have an, quote-unquote, emotional connection, which is pure nonsense. And boy, does that fly in the face, huh? You're supposed to have a soul connection. You're a soul. You met your soul mate. The soul connection means that you connect on the level of love. And that means that nothing comes close to it in terms of importance. If that's actually happening in your marriage, there won't be any signs that your marriage is in trouble because you're fulfilling the core principle of marriage, which is love. So if there's a sign that your marriage is in trouble, it's because you don't have that connection going. And the signs, there can be a billion, trillion, zillion different signs. But it always stems from not having that connection. So if you're not feeling tremendous love for your spouse, if you're not feeling tremendous happiness when you're with them, a comfort, a security, a sense of wow, then everything else are signs that your marriage is in trouble. It's, it's like driving a car on the road, and you go, well, what's the first sign that you're having a problem? Well, it could be that one wheel is not on the road anymore. Could be that a tire's going flat. Could be a lot of things. It's anything that is not as a car should be while you're driving, right? Anything. And that's a sign that you're in trouble in your car. Similarly, your marriage is supposed to produce happiness and overwhelming love. If it's not, those are the signs already. I think this is totally cool stuff,
1: David. Oh, it is. It is, Paul. I I just, it's not an easy thing to get to, I think. I just think of how... I mean I, I think it's definitely where you want to head to. You wanna have that feeling about your spouse. No question you wanna feel that that love that you have for the person all the time. But I keep yes. but I I keep thinking about previous relationships I've had. You know, I was Paul, as you know, I was married before and I was not in a great marriage and we were married for Thirteen, fourteen years, and got divorced, and you know, I, I go back to that, and I think, you know, I want to have that feeling for her, but she's driving me crazy, um, <laughs> and right. So, what you're saying is, you have to get past the "she's driving me crazy" aspect in order to get what you want from the other person. Well,
0: it's it's all about focus, isn't it? I mean, if you're being driven crazy, that means that you're focused on her. Right. That's true. And how she's, and how she's behaving towards you instead of focusing on how you're behaving towards her. Got it. So yes. And and this is a big mistake that. Western psychology has really just messed up so many lives, where where they tell you you have the right to expect your spouse to behave in a certain way, and they are obligated to conform. Well, remember we started out, was it in this podcast or earlier, where we talked about you can't tell anyone what to do. You just can't you know the question is how do you change somebody and the answer is you can't it's impossible you might inspire someone to change themselves but that's rare you really can't change another person
1: we have free will so yeah i you know i interestingly i think that most people try to when they get into these situations as opposed to saying, "What can I do to better connect to my spouse?" I think they go to controlling
0: um, you're darn you darn tootin'. that is exactly you know where they go to and I, our letters I, prove that
1: i yeah. i, re, I remi- you know after I got divorced and I started dating and and you you know you 'd go on the first date with somebody and they 'd start talking about their their ex-husband, I found that there was a very high percentage of women who said to me, you know, the reason the reason that he I, I got divorced is because my husband was so controlling. And right. and I mean, I started hearing that like 90%. So I started thinking, you know, are 90% of the men controlling and I doubt that number. And and my bet is that, you know, that it, it was the other way for women and they heard what was wrong with you know, what did you say that was wrong with your spouse? You know, that she was driving me crazy and, and, you know, it's just, but that controlling aspect is interesting. So do you think people do that, that they try to control the other person as opposed to just work on themselves?
0: Well, I hate to tell you this, David, you know, you're, you're a good friend, close friend, and I hate (laughs) to tell you when you're, when you're missing the boat, but the no, word no. today is narcissistic, not controlling. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> my husband, my wife is a narcissist. Oh, my God. You know, it just seems like Western psych comes up with these catchphrases. What do you
1: think they mean by that, Paul?
0: Controlling. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all that it means. So, Yes. I think everybody tends to try to control someone else until they get that they should only be working on controlling themselves. Right. Which is so difficult to do. So it's so understandable why it's easier in your mind to get someone else to change than for you to change your perspective.
1: Right. So when you, you, know, so when you see yourself... You know, in any way, shape, or form, trying to control your spouse's behavior—that's a pretty good sign that your marriage is going down the wrong path. It may not be in trouble, but it's certainly going down the wrong path.
0: Yes, and and you know, my mentor back in the day—I had a monk who was a mentor, Brother D. And we would talk about, and I know this is off topic, but that's okay. We would talk about drugs and alcohol, among other things, because let's face it, you know, in the 60s, everyone turned to marijuana. Not everyone. See there, I'm using it too. You always do this. (laughs) Everyone. Okay. So, you know, and and I asked him, I said, so what do you think about people just have a glass of wine, you know, at the end of the day? He says, When you start drinking, you're on your way to becoming an alcoholic. If you decide not to drink anymore, then you're off that path towards being an alcoholic. But the point that he was making is when we do these negative things, we're developing the habits. Got it. And the more we do it, the deeper ingrained is the habit. And you know, it's... Very interesting. Did you know this? That physiologically, habits produce physical grooves in the brain. Did you know that? I did not, know. True story. Okay. So, <laughs> so there you go. Now, can you fill it up? Well, this is the whole idea. Fill it up. Fill it up with its opposite. So let's say, for instance...
1: So, Phil, you're saying that habits get embedded into you, into someone's brain, and right. and stays there so that you continue using them. Right. That's
0: right. That's right. And that's why they're so difficult to overcome. But there's a trick to overcoming. Which, by the way, now's a good time to pitch the marriage foundation. Yeah. the Mar- The marriage foundation, because we approach the marriage holistically. We have books, but. The best thing that we have are these courses, one for men and one for women, which gets into these important contributing facets of marriage. And when I say important, I don't mean, oh, this is good to know. I mean, they're critical things like understanding how your mind works. It's critical to know how your mind works. So you are controlling your own mind and not negatively impacting your marriage. So go to our website, themarriagefoundation.org. Watch our YouTube videos under my name, Paul Friedman, or The Marriage Foundation. Pick up our books, but get educated about marriage. Learn about marriage so you can have the promises of marriage, which are unconditional love that is just growing and growing, and happiness. That is growing and growing.
1: Um, Paul, so going Paul, back, Paul, I'm just going to add a couple, one thing to that. Um, you know, you okay. and you and I sit here on the podcast, and we're we're just talking about things like, you know, why, how is your marriage in trouble, and how do you recognize some of the signs and things that you do. We're just talking about it at this point, point. and you you certainly impart a lot of great information. I learn something every time I come on one of these podcasts with you. I have not gone through your whole. Marriage Foundation Program, but what I do know about it is that it gives structure so if you 're looking for a place to start and a way to get from point A to point z that 's what the marriage foundation program does i 've seen it help I, I have seen it help numerous friends that i've that it have, mer- have that their marriages are in trouble and and it is one of the things that i 've heard back from them that When I if I start the program and I go through the steps, I get to where I want to go. I I mean, that's not where we're going with the podcast, but it's certainly where the marriage foundation program starts and and ends. It's an A to Z step by step. It really takes you through how to get how to get through it so that you do get to the point where you know what you're doing in your marriage and it's working for you. So. That's my that's my two cents on that.
0: Well, I appreciate that. One of my favorite things, you know, uh the YouTube videos that I produce. I love doing those and I invite people to comment and ask questions there. It's it's uh sort of my daily thing to go and see and what's fun for me are the people who are taking the course either for men or women or have taken the course and they just praise what has happened to them. And I I just love seeing it because I want people to be happy. I I think most of us are just plain cheated because we don't know how to be married. And marriage truly, to me, is like the greatest show on earth. It produces more
1: happiness
0: than virtually anything else. And and all you got to do is learn how to drive it.
1: There's um there, there's nothing like it Paul. There is really nothing like it when you really feel happy in your marriage. There's no other right. there's no other feeling that I've had that comes close to that or is like that. Um it's That's a, it's right. a wonderful feeling. I have I have to admit I have not had that throughout life, but I have it today and it's it is a nor, wonderful nor did I It's a wonderful thing to have. And I think this this topic that we discussed today about what do you, you know, signs that your marriage is in trouble or things that you can do when your marriage is in trouble. I think you, you brought up a really great point throughout this discussion, which is concentrate on what you're doing and don't be careful of, of you know, if you start seeing yourself bickering, you start seeing yourself arguing a lot. Um, you gave some really great points of what to do if you see yourself in that position.
0: Now, we were talking about habits, and we kind of left that topic dangling, and I think it's valuable for people to understand that if you have a bad habit, obviously you need to stop it, and you're capable of stopping it because you have free will. But to fill in that groove, let's say someone is stingy, they never leave a tip. They are very careful. They, they're penny pinchers. And they want to change that trait. So what you do is you have that habit of being a tightwad. And what you do is you come up with opposite behaviors that present the virtue of being generous. So now you go into a Starbucks and you see the tip jar. And you force yourself to put in the tip and you tell your mind, we're generous. You notice how I said we are generous because their mind is not you. We're generous and we're going to do this. You see someone panhandling where you doesn't matter why you never give money, but you throw them a quarter or buy them a burrito or something. And you just overcome these tendencies By making yourself do the opposite behavior. And that will fill in the groove. And and when you do that, you realize you are in control over your own mind and you don't have to be a victim of your past bad habits. And there was one other thing that I wanted to address. And that was when we started out the show, you talked about, you know, I don't like stuffing things. In the 60s, it, there was this big thing about going out into the woods and pounding drums. You have to vent. You have to vent. That's what they said. You have to vent. Or else what? You're going to explode? Up,
1: so. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: but it's nonsense. What you have to do is you're in charge of the very thoughts that come into your mind. Now, you can't control the first thought. The first thought that comes into your mind, whether it is crude or beautiful, is a first thought. You don't know where it's coming from. It's coming from deep in your subconscious mind, or you just might be walking around and pops into your head from the guy walking next to you. Who knows? But the first thought you have no control over. However, the second thought you do. So if it's a negative thought, if it's critical of your spouse, If it's demeaning of your spouse, you change it and you make it a positive about your spouse. And then you run with that thought. And that is how you start gaining control over your own mind. And coincidentally, it's not coincidental over your marriage because it's your thoughts from whence your behaviors spring forth. I didn't mean to sound poetic, but you, (laughs) but your thoughts are sort of the garden from which all your behaviors come from, right? Right. So you control your thoughts, your thinking changes, you are changing. And you're changing your habits. And you're changing your habits and your marriage will go the opposite of suffering. Your marriage will improve. Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: That's really great. Isn't it? That's really great stuff, Paul. Yep. I love it. I love it.
0: David, I got to tell you, I get as excited today about marriage and about people getting helped as when I first discovered these principles and how to apply them. And it was not easy. It took a lot of work to sort of fashion everything into these courses that, that we now have but boy, are they powerful. And, and I love it. I love getting the feedback that we get. And before we go, because we've been, we believe it or not, time flies when you and I talk, David, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> um, it does. Yes. It always has. Go it's ahead. fine. And you said before. Okay. Yep.
0: So call in to the Marriage Foundation with your question. And I'll repeat the phone number. It's one 855 527 so there's three fives there 18555275863 five, five, or if you're good at this I'm not 18555 five, 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 ask tmf I'm not good at those that's why I give you the numbers and otherwise you could just go to our website which you you might be surprised at how much help you can get and that's at themarriagefoundation.org. And you just go to Ask a Counselor. It's a free service. If you're having problems with your marriage, many people get help by taking advantage of that. And don't be surprised if you're referred to one of the books or the courses. I mean, it's just so much information that's so helpful.
1: Any last words, David? No, if 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 uh, I know if somebody does have a question or a comment, or they just want to use, um, we they want us to use their topic on one of the podcasts. You know, we're all for that. We certainly will. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. Feel free to to send it to us. We'll definitely use them. You bet.
0: Yes. So, folks, thank you for spending time with us. God bless and take care. Thanks, Thanks David. Thanks, Paul.